This episode is brought to you by Keeley Electronics. Is that the name of the company, Keeley Electronics? Their website is robertkeeley.com. I think I've seen them go by Keeley Electronics before. It's probably what they go by. Well, anyways, it's brought you to you by... You have the pedal, Ryan. What does it say on the pedal? It says Compressor Plus. Uh, that's their new pedal that's just come out. It's their new mm-hmm. version of their compressor pedal. Uh, it's got a mix knob added in, which is a new feature. And it's got a switch for the uh, the attack and release for humbuckers or singles. And it's just really great. And I did a demo of it. And I think it's one of my favorite compressors I've ever played with. Oh, another thing. Their compressor used to be like 200 bucks or something like that. Yeah. 130 Dang. $129.99, technically. They, they dropped 70 bucks off of their compressor price. And they improved it. Like, that's nuts. It's going to come out uh, July 5th. So if you're shopping for a compressor at all, I really recommend it. I've, I actually really like this compressor. I'm not a big compressor guy, but it just feels really natural to play with. It sounds like the starting price on that pedal could be just right for the Wheel of Pedals 3.0. Hey, yeah. We're talking about uh, adjusting some things with the Wheel of Pedals to get it going again, uh, which may or might not happen by the time this episode airs. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Steve. Spoilers. <laughs> all right. This episode is also brought to you by Walrus Audio. I got their name right. I know that for sure. They just came out with the uh, another you know new version pedal from a company. They came out with the Iron Horse version two. They uh, they just went in under the hood and tweaked the uh, the uh, the the knob parameters a bit to really help it out. I, I'd always heard that the the volume knob was really touchy, really hard to find unity gain on the original Iron Horse. So they smoothed that out really nice, and it feels just fine now. It. I have no problem dialing in the volume on the new Iron Horse. Uh, they also added more high end to the tone range. And they, uh, I think they said they smoothed out the distortion range, made it better for low gain stuff. Yeah, they made it so you had a little more access on the low end. Yeah, it gets very low gain, so that's can, for sure. So you can use it. Well, and that's a classic setting for this uh, style of pedal, uh, LM308 yeah. circuit. It's basically a rat style like clipping section. It sounds like a rat dirt. But then the tone stack is completely different than a rat. Mm. Like it's not that hard filtering that you get with a, a classic right. rat. So it kind of lets you use it more like a like a like a standard distortion pedal, I guess you'd say. Sure. More in the like the tone stack is more in the realm of, you know, like hey, this is gonna not be accurate, but like your DS ones or like a normal like dirt pedal where it's like dark on one side and bright on the other, where a standard rat pedal is like this filter sweep. Right. That's really weird, but then works for rats in a certain way. But it's really nice to have the rat style dirt with a more conventional style tone stack for sure. I've really been liking it. I've been using it a lot for all sorts of playing. I used it for a speaker shootout demo today. It sounds great. Really great. All right. This episode is also brought to you by sinusoidcables.com. Yeah, they uh, make cables and frowns. No. The, Steve. Frown, the frowns are on the faces of your enemies when you crush them with your incredible tone. Okay, okay, that works. <laughs> well, if you're having a battle of the bands, the other bands are going to frown when they hear your super good tone coming through your sinusoid cables, right? Or when they see how cool your cables look and they look at their cables and like, my cables look stupid. And In hindsight, this pitch would have been a lot better if it, we would have said it makes their enemies smile because it like makes them their friends. 
Oh yeah, that's like a good. It pitch. converts your enemies to friends. All right, Sinusoid cables—they make cables and smiles. Thanks for sponsoring the episode. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, money, breaking, viewing, playing podcast. You did it, Steve. I did it. Have you been practicing? <clears throat> no. <laughs> it just it just flowed out of you this time. Uh, what's new, Steve? Uh, I don't have much new. I know. I was I just being of. polite. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to figure out. So, oh man, uh, so here guitar- comes something new. So, guitar nerds, uh, they started doing this thing. I don't know where it is, but I heard them talking about it called uh, the Joe Branton Ranton, uh huh, or the Joe Branton Ranton, yeah. And it made me, and you know, we talked about it before, like, well, doing- isn't that part of their like their Patreon content? I think it's part like of that? their Patreon content, yeah. But we had talked about doing uh, a mini series a while ago where I would just like. Have, do like five minute mini sodes where I would just like complain about something in pop culture. You are our Joe Branton, so um, it and, would be similar to that. <laughs> and what I realized is, so now one, they've beaten us to the punch, and two, the perfect the, the perfect name for that segment would be Steve's Peeves. <laughs> Steve's Peeves. Oh man, with a name like that, I think you should do it. Um, <laughs> so the the thing is is. Um, I don't know. Like I, I've been throwing this idea around with my coworkers. Like they just have like a punchable pop artist segment. Oh my! And gosh. my coworkers are like, "Oh my gosh! If you do that, like you need to like you need to let me come on with you." I was like, "It's not supposed to be that long." Yeah, yeah. Um, or are you gonna gonna say names of people who you think are punchable and, and why? And why they're and punchable? Why? Okay, and why they're punchable? I mean, some because of, they look like they have a soft face. Some of them are <laughs> self-explanatory. <laughs> Is that is that what makes a person's face punchable? Yeah, if it looks nice and soft, like it'll just take your your hand really. Because there's well. some people that I think have a punchable face that, I mean, I'd probably break my hand on their face, but I still want to punch. Well, them you're looking the for face. the you're either looking for like the soft face to really catch your hand in a satisfying way, or you know, it's, it's like food. You either want food to be soft or you want it to be crunchy. You're looking mm. for that crunchy face. You know, you don't want something in between where it's just kind of right, like gristle. Right, you know, right. you want the crunch or you want the soft creamy you know contact mm. with your punch so what's new with you ryan <laughs> well i bought another amp steve good lord i keep buying amps that was part of my uh my quest for the years to explore amplifiers and everything having to do with them uh i was on the old craigslist just looking around yeah not planning on buying anything and uh one of those old ibanez tsa 15 ages popped up one of those Ibanez amps with a built-in tube screamer. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it. I was like, ah, that's, you know, I think those amps are dumb. It's dumb to have a tube screamer built into an amp. Like, it who, is. Who, who cares? Like, because, like, my thinking has always been like, ah, everyone wants a different kind of tube screamer. Right. Why would you want a dedicated tube screamer built into an amp that right. you can't change? Well, all you have to do is take the tube screamer circuit out and replace it with another effect. Oh, it's so easy. Uh <laughs> But then as I was sitting there looking at it, thinking all the bad things that I usually think about that amp, I had a realization. I realized that Ibanez probably designed that amp to work optimally well with a pedal pushing it, mm. with a tube screamer pushing it. And then I had the thought, if it 
is built to be an amp that takes a tube screamer super well. I bet right. it takes all kinds of pedals really well. It's probably a secret pedal platform amp. And I should go check this out. And the price was right. The guy was asking two twenty for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you- he didn't say no. He didn't say no low offers or anything like that. He just said no crazy offers on it. Right. So I was trying to find low ground with him, and he mm-hmm. just kept coming back with like no, no, thank you. And eventually he was just like, a two twenty is really all I'm taking for it. <laughs> it's like no haggling at all. Oh man. Okay. Hater. Okay, I'll come get it. Cause it was a fair price. Like there were ones on eBay that went for like one seventy five or whatever. Right. But then you figure once you get past shipping. Yeah. And you know, who knows if it'll survive shipping or if the tubes will survive shipping. Like two twenty was totally fair. And I didn't feel bad spending that on it. Um, I'm sure I could flip close to that to get most of my money back in the future. Probably. If I wanted to sell it, which I don't. I think I really, really like this amp. Cool. <laughs> nice response, Steve. I, I, cool. I, okay. From an aesthetics perspective, I mean, I really like the way those amps look. Like, I always thought the green on, like, the green on cream looked really good. Yeah, but. I really like the uh, the white Tolex on it. It's really. I'm thinking about changing the knobs though. It's got these black knobs on the green. Aren't they just like classicy? They're just classic knobs. They're yeah. like MXR knobs, yeah. you know. I was thinking about swapping out for white knobs or for like a like a weird colored knob or something mm. like that. Problem with white is you'd really have to like match it, otherwise it's going to look like your Stratocaster. <laughs> I have no problem with that. But the reason I wanted to swap the knobs out is because uh, where I put it uh, off stage at church is really dark and I couldn't see the knobs when I was trying to dial it in the other day. Glow in the dark knobs, dude. Glow in the dark knobs would be cool on it. That'd be really cool. Um, So yeah, I'm really loving this amp. I think it sounds great. I don't use the tube screamer side of it like at all, (laughs) at all, but running a board into it is kind of like this interesting hybrid. It sits kind of in between like my Princeton and my my PV classic 50 Mm. kind of being like, pretty flat sounding but then when you crank it it's got like a nice compressed right like pv you, thing going on do you run it at five or 15 i run it at 15 i forgot to run it on five when i did the demo of it the uh, other day which i super regret so i need to do a demo comparing that um but the five watt setting i'm sure a lot of people would prefer it but because i'm using it as a pedal platform I prefer the 15 because the five watt setting just gets a little bit like muddier. Right. And a little bit like woofier, if that makes mm. sense. Um, but it still sounds good. Sounds really good. Like I think if you're hitting it with a tube screamer, the five watt setting makes yeah, sense. Yeah. T- generally, like because the amp that I have is a f- supposed to be a 15.4. Uh huh. And the 15 is a very like fendery, um, but the four is, I mean, you run out of room pretty fast. And I don't, I, the five still doesn't drive that oh, much that's when you crank it. Because mine, like, that the level where I would, um, like, on mine, it, it definitely drives at on the four watt. That's what the, this, it's a custom. This is easily the cleanest low watt amp Weird. I've ever played with. Like, it barely gets dirt on it with it cranked all the right. way up. Like, it stays clean for a long time, which is great for a pedal platform amp. Like, it's really great. I'm stoked on it. Uh, but it's still, like, you turn it up and you get tube compression. It just pushes into drive super late. Hmm. 
Which I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people probably hear that and like, oh, why would I want that? I want an amp that pushes to drive easily. Now, I wonder if that's a circuit thing or if I I wonder if you could um, swap out whatever the tubes are in it for something that is a little hotter, is rated differently, is a little hotter um, and get uh, something that would drive more easily. Probably. I mean, this thing doesn't have a crazy uh, like like tube requirement. I think there's like four four tubes in there. Yeah. It's basically a three knob amp. mm -hmm. I say basically it actually is a three (coughs) knob amp, which is, you know, similar to the Princeton minus the tremolo and reverb controls, Mm -hmm. you know? So super simple controls, pretty easy to dial in. I'm stoked on it. So now you got the Ibanez, you have the boss katana. You still have the AC 15. I still have the AC 15. I'm thinking about putting it on the market soon though. The MV 50 is gone. Yeah. Uh, the GT40 40 is gone. Both of those were returned. I've got the Princeton and I've got two acoustics over here now. The acoustic control heads. Well, you finally got the other one back, huh? I got the other one back. Does finally. it work? I haven't plugged it in yet. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, found out that my band is playing Tiki Oasis in August, though. So. Oh, is that the? Is that the? Which where's that at? It's at the the big hotel down in Mission Valley. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But that it booked out like like in two hours, first day this year. Oh wow! So it's, it's going to be crazy, crazy one this year. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'll use the amp for that probably. Cool. I was thinking about using the katana though because it'll be in a hotel room. It'll be like a hotel room party, and the katana right. could probably kick it. And it's lightweight, so you can. Get it in and out real quick. Exactly. Exactly. And then I can put the guitar on my back in that new uh, in that new case I got, mm. the mono case. I haven't talked about that on the show because we took oh, that's a week right. off. We took know? a week off for uh for, for Cowfest last yeah. week. All right. Speaking of which, let's uh let's let's get into the regular show. Yeah. And then we'll top we'll tackle Cowfest as a topic. Yeah. First, you want to do housekeeping? First up, uh, we got some housekeeping. <laughs> uh, this is uh, thanks to Joe Hansen. Yeah, uh, big thanks. Who uh, joined our pledgers at the $5 level, which means he is getting a shirt and some stickers. And a patch. And a patch. And uh, I'm working on that uh, hopefully soon. You think you'll ship stuff on Saturday? You mean tomorrow? Yeah. I don't know because we got that one day event tomorrow. That's true. So it kind of depends on how early how your day I get goes. Up. Um, I hope hopefully I'll get it out pretty quick though. Um, brain, you can do brain. it, Steve. It's been a long oh, day. Yeah. I know. So yeah, so Joe's supporting at the best friends level, which is the five dollar level. He gets merch when we get it, um, and he uh, also is. Um, just a really cool dude for supporting us. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, we also have uh, discount codes from Sinusoid now for the inner circle and oh, for the, that's right. the that's best right. friends level. I need to send them. I need to send them that code. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's that. Uh, if you want to know more about supporting the show, uh, head on over to 60 cycle and uh, hit the, there's a thing about supporting the show. Just yeah. You'll figure it, it out. You're not a dummy. You listen to us. Yeah, you're a smart guy. Speaking speaking of the website, we get these emails from SEO, like people who (laughs) purport to be SEO. Right, right. 
<laughs> and uh, which is search engine optimization uh, people. And uh, the first thing that blows my mind is like the last one we got, the, the guys emailing from a Gmail address with like an like gibberish. I mean, it was his name, but it was like very like, this is the email I made for myself when I was like 13 years old. Right, right. Uh, vibe to the name. Email and, spammer thirteen oh at yahoo.com. No, it was like it started with <laughs> it started with Psy. Okay. Which just made me think like, oh, this guy watched a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh my gosh. And uh the thing that the thing that's crazy to me about these hits that we get for SEO people is, is I'm just like I know they're just like hitting everything. Oh sure. Um but they say like, oh, if you email me if you email me, I'll send you more information. Uh, about how I found you. Like, I'm not just like hitting you up randomly. Like I actually did already did the work and I'm just like, how did you find me? I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm looking at it and maybe this is the wrong way to look at it. Maybe it's just where we're at right now. Um, our website's an aggregator. Yeah. Uh, it's, it has some useful information. It's got quick reference so we can send links to people. Uh, but basically we, there's just a, the thing that posts our latest Instagram photos. And then I usually for like main line podcast episodes, I'll post those on there, but it basically a, exists so that people like people who want to market through the show can find our marketing information. But it's just kind of funny because it's like, Oh, you want to, you should spend all this money so people can find your website. I'm like, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not that kind of website, you know? Anyway, uh, just a mini rant, I yeah, guess, yeah. before I get into this thing, which Steve's is our peeves. real first thing. Um, uh, this is a Gibson Epiphone Rivera. They're asking $500. I posted this. Um, well, when you posted this on Facebook, you had one question, Steve, and I, f- I feel like I want you to tackle it and answer it. Your question was, why? Why? Yeah, so this says great sounding and looking guitar uh, has banded neck and body fretboard mother pearl inlay. Uh, so the reason I asked the question why is because on this guitar, the tailpiece has been removed. Uh huh. And it's normally, it's, like a tunematic tailpiece. Tunematic. The holes are still there. I mean, you can see them. Right. And it's, it's just been replaced. Oh, I just realized the knob is missing too. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, How tacky. Uh. And anyway, so the tailpiece has been replaced with a uh, floating tailpiece. It's one of those trapeze. Yeah, it's a trapeze style tailpiece. Now, the funny thing is I posted this and everyone was like, yeah, why? It's not a Riviera. It's a Sheraton. (laughs) Which, in hindsight, like that was the other thing. I was like, I've never seen a... I was trying to find like pictures of Rivieras. And I actually found did find a couple... Uh, that they made, like, I think they made uh-huh. like a 1966 Riviera, blah, 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 reissue that did have a stop tail, but it didn't look like this. And I couldn't find any that had a black pit guard. And that's because, again, this is a Sheraton. Yeah. The real giveaway was that it has the uh, flower inlay on the headstock. Uh huh. That, like, fancy uh, Epiphone flower inlay that I think, like, the Sheratons have it, the Emperors have it. Uh, there's a couple other ones, but the Rivieras, all the Rivieras I could find all had the uh, crown. I think it's called the crown inlay. So same as the ES-335. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ES-335 and the Angus Young SG. I, I don't think. know, man. Anyway, um, but it, yeah, I just, I don't, 
this the I, what I was really asking wasn't like why would you sell this or why would you even like it was a genuine why would you do this like what's the benefit is there a benefit I guess you have like a softer break angle now uh-huh. but I don't see that that's I guess more I feel like that's maybe more of a personal preference thing I just couldn't think of a concrete reason why you would make this aside from you thought it looked cooler it's got to be a looks thing I mean. When you have a longer string behind the the bridge saddles, mm-hmm. you can get some you know sympathetic resonance behind it, right? Like the way you do on like jazz masters yeah. and stuff like that. And some people might prefer that kind of feel, I guess. But yeah, I I just I don't get the reason why either. But then I'm kind of looking at that bridge, and that looks like an aftermarket bridge to me. There's something kind of funky about it. I'm wondering if they bought like an aftermarket like bridge and tailpiece set. Oh, maybe. And they kind of match each other hardware-wise. They look like they're kind of like a weird bronze or copper color. Yeah, it's hard to tell. They don't really like say. But I'm just not a fan of the detail there. Of the open holes look too, of where the stop tail used to be. That ruins it, in my opinion. You got to find something to stick in there to to cover it. A, A lot of guys, of course, like I didn't really think too hard about the price, but a lot of people are like, yeah, Why? Why would you even bother trying to sell it at this price? It's at least $100 too expensive. And it was, is. It really and is. I was like, I mean, I don't know if you say so. That I just didn't look it up. I, I guess, like, I know, I guess. Uh, There's a lot I'm of used to here. seeing these in, like, the 350 to 450 range, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I didn't even care about that. It's not like this is a irreversible modification, though. I'm betting that that trapeze just holds on by the strap button. Mm, hopefully hopefully there's not too many screws involved but down there like on the uh the eastwood base has a, that sort of a trapeze uh yeah thing there string mount tailpiece so you jeez could, man my head <laughs> you could reverse this and put a stop tail on there yeah, but there there is, that is like mounted like it's hard mounted to right, the bottom right. so there would be like three or four screws uh down and by it's the missing the thing. knob yeah, I mean, this, what the thing, heck? this thing should be 350. It's not even a complete guitar. Missing a knob. It should be 350 out the door for you sure. Get out right now. All right. Do we want to talk about Cowerfest? Uh, yeah. Tell me about Cowerfest. About all the fun I had that you didn't have. I know, dude. So the, my first bummer was uh, the morning of Cowerfest. I looked up the weather because I was, I was seeing the videos. Uh-huh. I was curious. And I saw that it was like 80 degrees. Oh, it was super nice. It like, wasn't even 80. It was like 76 or something like that. It's ridiculous because the two Cower... I went to Cower Fest one year by myself, and then we went together last year. And I don't... I I think I remember saying last year, like, oh, this isn't as bad as the first year I went. <laughs> the first year I went, I think when I got there, it was like 97 or 98 degrees. Yeah. And then last year, I think it was maybe like 92, 94. It was hot, but it was like kind of like a, a dry heat where you were like mentally, you thought you could hang with it, but it like exhausted you yeah. by the end of the day. Yeah. Like, this is a very comfortable, like mid 70s sort of thing going on. Uh, I flew up there and then I uh, I got to pal around with Andy Kim from Sinusoid Cables. He put me. Did up. you have a car at all? I did not have a car at all. I flew into Sacramento Airport and he picked me up with uh, Clifton Worley and hung around the hotel a little bit. Had continental breakfast at the hotel, which was very nice. Uh, then we headed over to uh, to Cowerfest. And met up. Oh, Phil! Phil was there too. Phil was on a walk when I when I got to the hotel. 
out doing a gear slum recording. He was on a walk? He was walking. He walks when he records, Steve. Everyone knows oh that. Oh, my gosh. It's classic Phil. Um, so then we drove to Cowerfest, had a great time, hanging out the whole time, all sorts of people showing up. Co and Kevin showed up. A uh, bunch of listeners were there, and you know, like Luke Monday and uh, Tim Bapalent were there. Um, Max Cheech was there. It was awesome. Hanging out, drinking beer, eating food. Yeah, dude, you were drinking beer all right. I was drinking beer for sure. Well, I actually listened to last week's episode. <laughs> so this year, I did. we didn't do what we did last year, where we hung around until afterwards and had a right. big mega podcast. Uh, we just grabbed Doug and pulled him aside, and it was me and Phil and Clifton and Doug on the mic and just kind of just chewed the fat for like 15 to 20 minutes or something like that. Which was a lot easier, and it made the yeah. day a lot shorter. So, Cowerfest was great. It's pretty similar to last year. I was still too chicken to enter the raffle. I am Dude! Not, I am not a gambling person. It's not gambling. It I goes know, to a good cause. I know, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, 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 that's not how oh, I have fun. Man. I'm not a gambling boy. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Steve. I've been playing this poker game on my phone. <laughs> I'm just glad it's not real money. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, pair of deuces. Yeah, I'm all in. I got to play, uh, not play, but I got to hear uh, uh, Tim Marcus's new amp that he's been playing around mm. with. I got to play with some Otis amps, which sound super good. Uh, he's moving to Hawaii, apparently. Wow. I know, right? Uh, look up Otis amps if you haven't heard of them before. He makes these really cool looking little tube amps that look like you know bedroom furniture or right. like living room furniture. They're really cool. Have this really neat modern look to them, and they sound awesome. Sound really good, really great uh, tube cranked tone. Got to pl- try a bunch of guitars. See all the new guitars that that Doug has laying around. It was just a great time. But where things really went crazy is uh. As the party was winding down, mm-hmm. all of a sudden this limousine pulls up. <laughs> Andy Kim from Sinusoid has got us a limousine. So oh my gosh. Andy and I, Co, Kevin, and Phil, we all crawl in this limousine. Oh, and by, we're all waiting around for the limousine for, for everyone are, else. No Clifton? Oh, yeah. Clifton was in there, too. I'm sorry. Uh, so we're all waiting around for everyone to get their act together and get in the limousine. The limo driver sees what's what's inside the the uh, the warehouse right and he loads out of the limousine holding this travel guitar that he's got he's oh like, my god i'm a guitar player too so we've got like this guitar playing limo driver rock and roll limo driver right he's got a tie on with the beatles printed on it oh right. yeah this guy's a rock and roll limo driver for sure so he's totally down with the party and everything that's going on we climb into the limo drive away from Cowerfest like a bunch of badasses uh, a bunch of dorks in a limo. Co's got this bottle of clear liquor that was fantastic. Some kind of like super short uh, aged whiskey that he huh. had or something like that. Like I think the bottle said it was aged like 182 hours or something. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Like really short uh, age, but it was super smooth and super good and got us all super drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we drove to go get uh, go get ramen. Right. We found a ramen place. Uh, I'm not going to give all the details because some of it's embarrassing. But we had we had a I, a really great party time. I heard uh, I heard uh, I watched a video of you of me. <laughs> see, see. Oh, okay. So after seeing the, some Backstreet Boys after the uh, 
after the ramen place, we go back to the hotel, drop stuff off, get kind of like set up, and uh-huh. then go back out into the limo and go to a karaoke place. Right. And do karaoke for like three or four hours or something like that. The whole time, Andy is just like treating us to all this right. stuff. It's crazy. Andy took like ridiculous care of us for this, like just this trip to go to Cowerfest. This party all the time it was awesome. Uh, so yeah, this episode definitely brought to you by sinusoidcables.com. Uh, Andy is a party animal and it was a real blast off. I uh, do not regret going to Cowerfest at all. <laughs> so what was, uh, what was the coolest thing that you got to check out at Cowerfest? Oh man. Coolest thing at Cowerfest. Uh, I think the thing that I was saying to Clifton a while back is the best part of any of these events is always the people and hanging out with the community and getting to meet people um phil and i and uh and who else oh clifton and shoot who was drumming i'm sorry i forgot your name oh drummer. steven tigerno that's right or- steven was drumming we all we all played a set on the little stage out there and just made songs up right like i did uh a, we did a ditty based around like the jurassic park theme and phil was like freelance like not freelance, but freestyle, like singing right, over it, just right. singing about Jurassic Park. And then we did the Top Gun theme and then we did the Batman theme because Adam West died that day. Uh, I know. Right. So that was a real blast. And you know, the, the whole, the whole time there's people getting up on the stage and playing and they're just like super good, super yeah. polished, like, <laughs> like performance level stuff. And we get up there and just, slop, I've never played at Cowerfest. Just slopped it out. Just like rowdy, sloppy stuff and that was a blast like getting to play there was some cower i was playing that was had this really neat relic to it and that was a blast to play cower for a set um and how do you how do you say what is the best thing at Cowerfest? it's just that's all true such, that's true it's all just such a great experience maybe you know, drinking, best isn't the right word I, I don't know if that i i guess what i'm asking is if there was anything that like stood out that stood out like you said you got to check out uh milkman's new uh amp yeah, it's like a limited uh, run. Which I loved the I loved the video where where you're like, so Tim, you've said a lot of good things about your product. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the worst thing about it? <laughs> For some reason, I love Tim every time I get to hang out with him. Whenever I get him on the mic to do some kind of interview, it uh-huh. just goes stupid just super, super stupid, really. Oh, yeah, quick. yeah. Like I got him on the mic at Winter Nam, and it was just yeah, like that was it was a joke. That was the dumbest thing ever. It was a joke. I don't know why I do that. I sabotage it every time with Tim, but he's actually like a really interesting guy who makes really cool stuff and has a lot of fun things to say. I think I just get excited and I sabotage it. Listen, all y'all, it's sabotage. Yeah, I I think coming away well, from I it, can't, my, I can't tell you. You know, I wish you could do. A serious interview because some of these ones that you do, I, I just can't stand it. <laughs> oh man. I mean, and the thing is, is like you do it every time, so I feel like you planned it. Would you Rather, like to- I should say, mm. as, as a forward thinking uh, person, that I think that you planned it. Not that I feel that you planned it, but I think that you planned it. Okay. So I would like you to set this straight because it feels kind of like Watergate. I'll let you finish. That's that's all I know. (laughs) I can never get past that point. (laughs) I feel like I'm in a, uh, I feel like I'm in a JJ Abrams Star Trek movie over here. 
All what? Beastie Boys going oh, on. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I haven't seen the second one. Or the, rather, I haven't seen the third one. I haven't seen it's the third right. one. It's all right. It's on Netflix or Hulu or something Is now. it? Yeah. I've got both of those. Like, well, go watch it, Steve. All right. See it's you guys. Right. Bye. <laughs> Steve is walking out the door. He's going to go watch Star Trek right now. Uh, all right, we're back. We're back. Let's uh, let's jump on to the next ad. Yeah, uh, this we actually had two of these in the same week, which was kind of crazy. Um, this it, we're, the guitar we're talking about is the Fender Limited Edition Koa Telecaster. Oh, it's not two in the same week. I pulled up a Reverb ad as a reference point. Oh, maybe because I looked this up on Reverb. Then that's okay. why I've seen it. Because the the, um, the Craigslist one is the one that was sent to us, and then I pulled up the Reverb one for price comparison. Yeah, so this is uh, the one on Reverb, $700, and it says it's sold. Yep. The one on Craigslist is 550 And actually, uh, the reason this came up is, is um, Ed Chu found it, and I think he thought it was fake. Yeah. Or he I, wasn't I sure think he what was the saying deal was. That he was asking, like, isn't Koa something that, like, comes up on fake guitars all the time? Right. So uh, the Fender Limited Edition uh, Koa... Telecasters. They were made in 2006. Um, I'm not really going to read the description, but definitely check out the pictures. Especially that reverb one looks really crazy, cool. really sharp in those reverb pictures. Um, I think it's just the phot- photographer did a great yeah, job. On so it. Uh, this came out the same time as the when Fender was doing the Light Ash series uh-huh. of instruments. So they had a Light Ash Stratocaster and a Light Ash Telecaster, and the whole deal is that uh, these Light Ash guitars were super lightweight. So you're talking about like a six pound telecaster yeah yeah kind of a deal they made these cool ones uh around the same time and i always said, thought light ash meant that it was a light color of ash no it was like that these were the like ultra light guitars yeah. um so um it just looks really sharp it's a really good look yeah and uh, i know they're imports but the the price is yeah, right so, man so they're made in korea some people thought that they i, I remember seeing reviews where people thought they felt flimsy. The ones that I picked up, I always felt uh, played really well. And these have the uh, Seymour Duncan L Nickel Pro 2s uh-huh. uh, for the pickup set, which they just sounded fantastic. I actually think in a lot of ways, this series of guitars kind of paved the road for the classic vibe guitars. Oh, sure. Like the idea of making like a classic classic style telecaster and one of the things that's also kind of interesting about these is these have the uh the three um like the three saddle brass uh-huh uh bridge they don't look um, like they're compensated they're not they're, they're not just they're standard just the brass. brass barrel but you can you can you know upgrade those yeah. super cheap or um, you know leave them as is like i've got the uncompensated ones on my duosonic and i love them yeah so um these are, I always thought they're really cool guitars. Uh, both, I think they were like six thirty or seven hundred new. Yeah. So, um, I mean, five fifty is a, is a great price for a really good looking Telecaster on that. Yeah, ad. I would say that I think the prices on these have been fairly stable as far as the used market goes. Comes with the hard case too. The hard case is is a, a good deal on, on the that Craigslist one for yeah. sure, and it's also got the headstock where it's just the Fender logo. Like, yeah, just looks yeah. super sharp. Um, so if you ever see one of these on your local Craigslist and you're tele curious or you're looking for something that's just pretty or whatever, like, yeah. uh, definitely check it out. They're definitely legit as long as again, like, 
it's these are Korean guitars, hence the price. Um, but they're I don't know. I really liked the ones that I tried out. Um, I would they, some of them probably, especially at this point, if they weren't if they're not being owned by someone who's maintaining them, then they probably need some um, love and attention. Some uh, some atten- like just a setup and everything. But sure, sure. If you're buying used, like you kind of I feel like that's you're gonna know that going yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, if you if you got one of these, would you leave it stock or would you do anything to it? Um, I might be tempted to do because both of these have the perloid pit guard. Yeah, uh, I might do like some kind of mint. Totally, that's what I was thinking. Maybe not mint, but like parchment, maybe or like yeah. the flat, like single ply would look really good. I'm on not this. a fan of single ply. Ever. I think ag- against a dramatic wood grain like this, a co is going to have like a, a deep like yeah. shimmer to it. You put something flat on it, and it's going to make it pop even more. You know, that's that's kind of my opinion, anyways. Okay, I I can I can follow that. Um, but yeah, these are these are a thing. They only made these apparently for one year. That's what the reverb ad said. Um, well, they probably had like just a stock of wood, and they're like just crank these out until yep. they run out. You know, uh, but they are they're a ton of fun, in my opinion. I mean, for for if you can pick these up, five hundred six hundred bucks. That's a cheap Telecaster these days, and it's going to be a really playable guitar. It's yeah. probably not going to feel as good as an MIA or whatever, but this is going to be a pretty decent playing guitar that looks really freaking sharp, really mm-hmm. sharp. And, you know, like it's a Fender Telecaster. It's going to take any parts you throw at it. There's aftermarket parts out the wazoo for these things. So if you like the look of that body, you can just fix these things up forever. All right, Topic. Let's get into the the last topic, if I can find it here. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. Uh, this thing is called "Is the Electric Guitar Dying?" Um, there's a couple ad uh, top. There's a oh, gosh, I can't talk. There's a couple articles that have been floating around. Yeah, so, all week. So the one that you know it was originally posted in the Washington Post called "Why My Guitar Gently Weeps," and actually the uh, article that you took a picture of is is talking about that it's oh, it references a, it's it. a blogger talking about that article oh gotcha yeah um so just to jump to the chase um well i'll try to find a link to the original uh, washington post article as well as this response to put in the show notes uh but the gist of it is um you know basically there was the 80s and Everyone thought electric guitar was going to go away because of Duran Duran and uh, Duran Duran and Flocker <laughs> Seagulls. Yeah, yeah. And new you know, all these hair bands. Um, well, oh, everyone who uh, was like in a punk band in the 70s thought that that was the last dying gasp right. of rock and roll. Um, and then, uh, but, you know, electric guitar survived. And then the 90s rap happened. Uh, but electric guitar survived. But now we're in this another age of synthesizers and um well we're in an age of computers now it's beyond synthesizers it's all laptops um so the quote that this guy uh puts in here is he's it's uh from the washington post and it says in the past decade electric guitar sales have plummeted from about 1.5 million sold annually to just over 1 million that doesn't really sound that bad to me i don't know well it's a (laughs) it's a you know, a 30-something percent That's loss. That's true. That's true. Uh, the two biggest companies, are in, which are Gibson and Fender, are in debt. PRS just had to cut staff. 
and expand production of cheaper guitars. Uh, Moody's downgraded Guitar Center uh, as it faces $1.6 billion in debt. But it's like, yeah, but it's Guitar Center. Yeah, Guitar Center is garbage. That's uh, why they're in but, debt. Uh, oh, and at Sweetwater.com, a brand new interest free fender can be had for as little as $8 a month. But that they, argument made no sense to it me. It doesn't make any sense because $8 a month, if they get put it on like a 72 month plan, it's still a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's radio commercials like saying that I can lease a Kia for 150 a month or something like that. Doesn't mean that like doesn't mean that cars are going away. <laughs> yeah, um I mean, if they it are. Was a, we're all going to be carless in like it, two years. If it was a sixty-month loan, that's a four. That's four hundred eighty dollars. I mean, you could apply that logic to anything and be like, "Oh, if you can get the, you can get this for this much a month." Yeah, but how long am I paying? Hey, you that? know what? You can support this podcast for eight dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, you can do that for sure. Anyway, you do that. <laughs> will you send you stuff? Yeah. What worries George Grun uh, of the Grun's Guitars is not simply that profits are down, uh, but uh, the why he says when he opened his store 46 years ago, everyone wanted to be a guitar God inspired by the men who roamed the concert stage, Clapton, Beck, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Santana, Jimmy page. Now those boomers are retiring, downsizing and adjusting to fix incomes. They're looking to shed, not add to their collection. And the younger generation isn't stepping in to p- replace them. Uh, Grun knows why what we need is guitar heroes. He says, and then the article kind of goes on and says, you know, uh, you know, we're all, we're light on the kind of players that make kids want to pick up guitars. Instead, rappers, DJs, performers, people who program beats, uh, and basically the demographics are shifting. Is is the argument? And then the article cuts off. Right. Um, so I don't know what the rest of his argument is, but I just I want- mean that's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. We don't need to worry about the fine details here. Um, what are we, a, a news podcast that gets things right? Right, right. Well, I mean, it would have been interesting to actually see the whole sure. article. But hey, uh, you know, it's actually the article, the site is called a journal of musical things.com. Yeah, that's the, that's the article referencing the Washington Post article. Oh, okay. But if he hits, if you hit keep reading on his site, Oh, okay. It bounces yeah, yeah. to the Washington Post site. Oh, okay. Um, so that's kind of weird. He doesn't really super get into it. Uh, I mean, all the, this the is Washington just like Post article is pretty long. I, I'll just say this: like, yeah, there. I think there's a deficiency of of guitar oriented music in um in pop in in pop music. Sure. Whereas you know, the I think the late last real heyday of pop music was maybe like the mid two thousands when you had like Green Day was a crossover act, Fall Out Boy was a crossover act. Like a lot of these pop punk bands were cross like pop right. They were pop punk. They were traditionally alternative radio guys, but they were getting songs onto like adult mainstream stations, onto um are like top 40 stations. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they became top 40 bands and around the same time, like in the last 10 years or so, uh, Maroon five has transitioned from being a pop rock band to being more pop oriented, more programmed though. James Valentine did recently get a signature guitar from, from music man. Um, so you do kind of, I get that, 
I don't know how much of it is demographic replacement versus like, I mean, I'd buy expensive guitars. If, I mean, I th- if I, I didn't have skyrocketing healthcare costs. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I think that in general, I just think this article is just clickbaity and I don't think it matters at all that this article exists and people are reacting to it right now. I think, I think people are just out there kind of aggregating it and trying to get, you know, like website clicks. Off well, of the, it. the, this, but like, here, let me, let me finish. Sure. I think there is, a, there obviously is a slowdown in guitar buying. Right. And I think the two main culprits are market saturation. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of guitars out there right now. And, you know, I mean, look at our show. We talk about the used market so much. Yeah. Like it, the general population is very empowered to buy used things right now. And guitars don't go bad very quickly. Right. And then the other side of it is the guitar hero kind of aspect. And it's just that young people experience music differently now than they used to. Like, yeah, like it's music just flat out. Isn't as important as it was when we were young, when our parents were young, like it used to be music was this huge, like social identifier. It's true. I mean, that's a really good point. Now everyone has their own niches. Like no one cares what their friends listens to. It's not like, Oh, I hang out with a rock group. And those guys over there are the rap group, and those mm-hmm. are the pop people over there. Like everyone kind of listens to everything now, yeah. So it's it's not easy to track down a group of kids and be like, "There's our target market." Yeah, and, and to go along with that, I mean, I I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Is is I mean, maybe to an extent, as electric guitars become more, ex- I don't know if I want to say more accepted. Um, they're not. Ex- they're they're. They're just mainstream now. There's nothing exciting or dangerous right. about. I guess what I'm thi- what I think about is is uh, that the classic rags to riches tale, uh, school of rock, American. Oh my gosh, Mer- pinnacle of American film. Um, the kids in there, like they are, uh, like the one kid who plays guitar, like he plays classical guitar. Right. And that's all he knows, and then he gets sent home with like an ACDC album. And he has to like play it under like the covers or whatever, like so his parents won't find it. And and, and you know the ki- the keyboard kid, he his homework is to listen to like Genesis, yeah, yeah, or Yes or whatever, and, and these different like prog acts. And uh, you know, I think about that that idea, and it's really goofy in the movie, but you do hear those stories about like, oh yeah, like I got I you know when I was a kid in the seventies, I saved up my money. And I bought Led Zeppelin Four, and that was my first album, and it was the only album I owned for like a year. And, you just, and I listened to it every single day yeah. for a year. Like there was that, out that level of obsession, and there was also like there was like the ta- a taboo factor, like you were saying, like where if you were like the metal like the metal kid, you listened to Zeppelin in the seventies, you were a metal kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know there was a taboo that went along with that. Whereas now, like everything is accessible. We don't have albums. We have albums. It's not al- things aren't album driven. Things aren't even like ownership driven because if I want, just, all the kids are on Spotify yeah. now. And you like, if I want to hear a song these days, I just go on YouTube. Yeah, it, it's Spotify. It's YouTube. If I actually want to like give back a little, I guess like I hear a song on the radio, I 
find it on SoundCloud. I click the button that says take me to iTunes. It takes me to iTunes. I drop a dollar thirty cent, and I have the one song I want. I don't have to buy an album. I don't have to listen to anything that I don't want to listen to. Yeah. You're not my mom. <laughs> um, so, so I think that is interesting. And I don't know because there have been some very like guitar oriented. There have uh, players. Um, yeah. I think the argument that there aren't guitar celebrities anymore or guitar stars is, is moot. I don't think that's true. There's, I mean, you know, freaking imagine dragons was everywhere. Oh, they're like the last they're, two years. Yeah, like Black Keys are still around, and like their stuff is everywhere now. Yeah, Black Keys is a lot of guitar. Uh, Arctic Monkeys have had like yeah. a few big alternative. Hits. There's a ton of guitar um, out there. There's a guitar showing up in all kinds of music these days. And, and it's just it's not like Van Halen days. You well, know? and like I said, I think some of it is is that like you said, like it's a mainstream thing. It's just part of a sound. So even beyond like. Yeah, Black Keys, you hear it in a lot of commercials, but they're still really alt, alt radio. Uh-huh. Arctic Monkeys, alt radio. Now, Imagine Dragons is is everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, but to even go beyond that, like Daft Punk for Random Access Memories brings in Nile Rodgers to do like everything. Right. So literally, I had this conversation actually with one of my coworkers yesterday because uh, he was playing, <coughs> excuse me, he was playing that album at work, and I was like, "Oh yeah, now Rogers and uh, Pharrell." And and my coworker goes like, "Yeah, they." Uh, I was like, "You know, this is a really interesting thing that Daft Punk did in like bringing this in." And I, I think that's what keeps them relevant is Daft Punk is really good at picking, like picking their collaborators. Oh like, yeah, when they want a collaborator, like they pick the right ones. Um, and my my coworker goes like, "Yeah," he's like. Well, you know, like Daft Punk has always said they were like heavily influenced by like 70s funk and disco. So what did they do? They they literally went out and found the two funkiest people they could find. Yeah. Nile Rodgers and Pharrell. Like Pharrell's a phenomenal hip hop R&B producer. And Nile Rodgers, who's like one of the greatest guitar players of all time, particularly in the funk, funk rock genre, you know. Um, so that worked for them. But the thing is, is like, if you're, I think if you're listening to Daft Punk as an average listener, I don't know if you're necessarily processing that and going like, oh yeah, that guitar is like, you're not really understanding what's special about it. Sure. And there's nothing about the music itself that's explicitly countercultural. Sure. Uh, I mean, maybe like from a lyrical standpoint, I mean, like you could, you could have an interesting conversation. I, but. I started learning guitar because I saw a friend play "Smells Like Teen Spirit," right? And there's like that was the song that was like the counterculture, like like this is this is our music and parent, yeah. parents don't get it kind of thing. When I was a teenager, like I could not tell you what that song would be now. What is the song now that like? if you showed a teenager that you could play it on guitar, that they would be like, Oh shoot, I got to learn how to play guitar. Well, and I think that is, uh, the, I think that's kind of an interesting, um, kind of angle. I, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago, but we brought in an electric. If I didn't, I'll just to reiterate a few weeks ago, we brought in, uh, one of the kids in the church I work for was like, oh, we I want electric guitar. Like, my friend plays electric guitar. I'm going to bring him. And, of course, what does he play? And then he goes like, oh, I told I told our our, our director that I would uh, send her a video 
of my buddy playing guitar. I was like, all right, whatever. So he play, he's like, he's like, all right, man, play a song. And so what's he play? He plays Smell Like Teen Spirit. Right. The kid's 13 years old, maybe. Yeah. 13, 14 years old. That song's 25 years old yeah, now. And, uh, and so that, that is a thing is like, you know, kids who are into, and then later, I think he started playing like Thunderstruck. Right. So it's like these kids who, who do want to play guitar, who think guitar is cool. Their perspective is still the same perspective that was prevalent in like rock guitar 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think if you want to look for like guitar oriented music, probably the most guitar oriented music right now, aside from like just metal, um, or like hard rock, uh, it's like country, but there's not really like an in-between there isn't, you know, like what's the, I remember watching, what's the guitar riff of the last five years? Like what's the guitar riff, you know, like I can't think of anything. I don't, I mean, I know the guitar riffs that stick out in my head, but I mean, if, if, if this was the eighties, you could name the guitar riff of the month, let alone, oh, yeah. let alone the decade. And I can't think of, I can't think of what I would consider the guitar riff of the, the 20, I mean, teens. I'm thinking of the eighties right now and I'm thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of the intro to the, I guess that was synthesizer though, but I'm thinking of like jump. Sure. Like the, the intro to Jump is like really, I'm pretty sure that was Synthesizer. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It sounds like Synthesizer to me. There's guitar in there. Um, but then like other riffs, I think about like, uh, you know, every Guns N' Roses song. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, a, you know. It was super riffy back then. Even in the 90s, there's ton of tons of riffs in, in music that were like, oh, I got to learn that riff and that'll get me into starting to play that song. And then there was some riffy stuff in the 2000s with kind of the garage rock uh, revival with like yeah, the, hives the hives and, and you know the, the white stripes and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess all there is right now for super popular riff rock is, is still Black Keys, but that's like a throwback to 10 years ago. I don't even think the Black Keys are a band anymore. You don't think so? I don't know. Dan Auerbach's always like working on a he's bunch doing of projects, his own stuff, so yeah. I don't know if he's if oh, I. Didn't I mean, they I'm have a bunch of new stuff like a year or two ago? Maybe. I can't remember. I'm super out of the loop. It's one of those things stuff. where like the black keys happens and then they stop happening for a while and then they <laughs> come back again. Um, right. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting to think about. I mean, all uh, this stuff is still going of, on. It's just not in 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 the pop music limelight right now. The know? the flip side of that too is I hate to say it. It's all moved to gent. Like oh doom, doom metal and gent. That's where all the guitar is I, happening. Right you know, now. I don't even think it's that. So the, I, I watched the video again. I, we talked about it earlier. I watched the video with Tim Marcus and Tim Marcus plays. Uh, was Pete, was Pete at Cowerfest? Pete Jonas? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Which one is he? He's, he's the kid. He might have been. He's from Orange County. He looks like he's like 12. He's like a guitar virtuoso. I don't think. I think he worked, um, uh, was he working the JHS booth? No, he oh. he's worked the Cower booth before at Nam as like know. a demo a demo guy. I didn't. I didn't. He's meet like him a, he's, he's like a Stoops type of guy. Gotcha. Like, you know, gotcha. he's one of these session guys. Um, so Tim's a super great player. Like, so what I was what I was thinking about with that is so. Gosh, man, we're getting it's going to get weird for a second. Maybe get weird on me, Steve. Um, is uh, there are songs out there that um that have guitar parts into it 
And I almost wonder if there are so many session musicians now that do like a specific thing that, I mean, you think about like, I guess you think about like what makes a good guitar riff. I wonder if there's just not as many guitar riff writers. I just don't think it's part of, of what people want to hear uh, in popular music right now. Well, because I'm thinking about like, so again, referencing like the Tim video. Tim plays like the two, the the pickless uh, style that like a lot of guys are playing. Sure, where it's yeah. like uh, a finger the picking. finger picking thing, thumb in, thumb in, uh, thumb in like two finger or whatever. I don't know what it, if it has a name, uh, but it's like super popular. Like everyone and their mom does it. They're putting Ma- their fingers in the tone. Right. Uh, Mateus does it. Like a lot of these guys where they're not, they don't use a pick. They're doing like multi note. Yeah. Anyway, you hear a lot of that stuff. And I almost wonder if like we've hit a point where like there are so many guys that focus on that. Like just nobody's, is nobody writing good riffs? Is that why we don't hear good riffs? Or is it like, do we not hear good riffs because nobody's writing them? Or do we not hear good riffs just because nobody wants to hear good riffs? There's just not a market demand right now. Because I think I mean, about like stuff, that kind of guitar. So yeah. like, okay, Selena Gomez just put out a sing, like a new song like maybe two or three weeks ago. I mean, we all know that, Steve. It's uh, all, we're all listening to it we, over and we over. We all are. It's called Bad Liar. It's incredible. Um, but that song is like basically all, like it's really super stripped back, very indie acoustic rock guitar sounding. But I don't think anyone's listening to that going like, oh man. Gotta learn this guitar part. I gotta part. learn this guitar part. I kind of want to learn that guitar part. But, <laughs> but I like just, you know, nobody's, nobody's been like, oh man, that's, that's so blowing my mind. Like the way that, you know, uh, sweet child of mine, like that riff, that riff is like so stupid, like yeah. the, the intro riff, but it's iconic. And so I guess that maybe that's what we're, it's not even that we're missing like guitar heroes. It's that we're just, nobody's writing iconic riffs right well it's almost like guitars grown up a lot of songs don't have solos in them anymore yeah it's like it you know it's guitar was a hot thing for so long and people were just like just getting guitar all over the place it was on top of the mix it was it was running this show you know and now it's just become an instrument you know it's just it's there in the mix it's a utility Mm -hmm. it's making things happen and you know, I going back to the original topic here is these articles going like, ah, oh, guitar sales are going down. There's no rock stars playing guitar. It's like it's still being used. Like as long as there's going to be music, there's going to be people playing guitar. It's just it's not this. You know, you know, guitar is the fidget spinner of the last fifty years, right? You know? Right. <laughs> and that is it's growing up. It's fading into being more of just a musical instrument yeah, instead I mean, of being a the new hula hoop. You know. So I guess you're, I would maybe summarize and say like my I'm looking at it from an angle of like I guess almost more more of a music cultural angle and you're just looking at it from like a sheer like I mean like it's pop culture pop culture but also like you're I find your take take really interesting because basically what you're saying is who cares that's what I'm saying who cares like, like there's this whole doom and gloom and I'm sure it's tough to be in the industry when things are going down yeah but then yeah. it's like so much of the argument for the article is these bigger companies not being able to make it and saying like oh how are the all these small companies coming up it doesn't make any sense there's gonna be saturation but I was thinking about that it's like all these small companies put together aren't clearing the amount of product yeah. that fender lost 
market share of like they're these small companies are you know selling if they're doing really well thousands of guitars where yeah. like fender gibson together are selling you know hundreds of thousands if not a million guitars right. who knows right um it's it's just a market shift you know like these these smaller companies can't afford to float and people are more interested in smaller companies more and more yeah the guitar industry really saw like a rapid expansion i think for a couple decades the 80s and really the 80s and 90s and, and now it, it's i haven't seen the numbers but i'm just guessing that those were there's always going to be there, people there was expansion and now there's retraction and so it's going to be one of those things where like Really, retraction might put a lot of people might put a lot of people out of work. Of of course, um, but it you know if Fender and Gibson play the angles right, they have the economies of scale to like probably survive it better than anybody else. But the part of that is they got to figure out when's the right moment to fire everybody. <laughs> right, right. You know, I we, mean, it's I there, think there I, there are no guitar heroes. Why do we have an A and R team? Like we don't need artist relations. Right, right. There's only one artist. We only need one person to do this job. Uh, you you worry these articles worry like oh there's no big rock stars, and you go to, and you see you know these companies that float on niches. Right. They're like, oh, we have like like everyone who's into like this certain kind of like bluegrass picking just loves our brand. We've got these two bluegrass pickers who play our brand only and everyone just like gravitates. I mean, that's or, that's a great like, point. Too. All the Genty stuff like, oh, we're the company that makes all the Genty guitars and people really love it. Like yeah, it's you, all about like hitting these niches and the bigger companies don't hit those niches as well. Right. Well, they're just so big that they have to try to hit as many of them as possible. Whereas right. Legitimately to throw out a name, like, uh, you know, Chapman guitars. Yeah. Chapman guitars. They, they now make a, a couple instruments that are a little more conventional looking, but like basically anyone who knows about Chapman guitars expects them to shred. Yeah. And it, when people say like, Oh, I'm looking for a shredder under a thousand dollars. What should I get? Like Chapman guitars always gets brought up. They found their niche. They're a relatively new company. And they're making their stuff overseas somewhere, I think. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, I mean, that part, I guess, is neither here nor there. It, uh, I mean, that is an excellent point. I guess the the thing that could be an issue is that as the mainstream market gets smaller, you would also expect all the other markets to get smaller. So even some of these, like, niche survivalists, like, are, they're only going to last as long as those markets are right. strong and, and so I guess like in the case of metal like the the change in musical pop culture in the mainstream radio to being more synth driven or being more production driven a uh, production in the again like they talked about Ableton like so in the production sure, sure. in like the DJ slash producer you know, like the chain smokers or whatever <laughs> sort of EDM, you know, uh, Zed and, and all these different guys, they do their thing. Um, that's, I guess, kind of that thing. It, it, and eventually it even raises other questions of, you know, how long does metal or bluegrass, I guess, maybe to a lesser extent. Sure. These niche Blue, markets. Bluegrass is so traditional that I, it might be like a, impermeable market but metal i think is one where you could be like okay well edm only has a minimal influence on metal only on like industrial metal right right but i think as you see 
pop music transitioned more and more into you know EDM type or trap or whatever you know whatever yeah, yeah. buzzword electronic thing you want to call it it's just techno guys uh, <laughs> um that's all this stuff is it's like just that, techno that's going to get into more mainstream metal i think um so that would be kind of interesting is like yeah maybe metal doesn't react as fast but it it eventually will react sure. i think um i don't think we're ever going to see a metal band that's not guitar heavy though uh i mean you think it just depends. I mean, even, even Jethro Tull had guitar, and that was a flute band. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm you know I think about like Doom. Sure, and they might as well synthesizer be, is yeah made for Doom, but they're also playing like guitars that might as well be basses. Yeah. You know? All right, let's let's wrap this up and just say that it is what it is, and who yeah, cares? Yeah, I got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, how much would you let somebody pay you? Let them pay me. <laughs> uh, to be a guitar effects expert. Oh, goodness. Um, I feel like I would need to charge, you know, like, I mean, it depends on who the person is. Like, is it a friend or is this a stranger? There's a guy in San Diego. This was a while ago, and I don't, we couldn't figure out if you found this or if David Chote found this, but somebody someone found lo- this. Someone local found it. I guess it might be David Chote. They're in, I can't uh, remember. This ad is from, uh, it, again, it's in San Diego. I'm looking for someone who has expert skills using effect spells to dial in different guitar tones, e.g. David Gilmore, Eric Johnson, etc. I know tone comes from the fingers, but effect spells can really make great tones and make practicing more fun. Can afford $25 per hour. Huh. I was like semi inter because I remember seeing this too and thinking like, I don't know if I want to deal with a person who's willing to pay $25 an hour to be taught how to use guitar pedals. Now that I'm thinking about this, I should have I should have answered this ad and just had the guy come over to my house and play with all the demo pedals. There there could have been some, but like that. I mean, there's so many things that like weird me out about this. Like maybe that's the guy's game is like, oh yeah, you hit him up. He's like, well, I really only have uh, you know this Boss Me Thirty, but if you if you had some stuff and wanted to show me, that'd be cool. And then you get there and he stabs you and takes your pedals. <laughs> I just imagine a scenario where this I'm hanging out with this guy and I bring a bunch of pedals to his place or whatever and we spend like four or five hours together and he finds a pedal that he really likes and he's like, oh man, I really like this pedal. Like, like uh, if, how much is this thing? Like, well, you could have bought this thing if I hadn't been sitting here with you four hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really like this DoD 250. Well, you've, you've already spent enough money to buy three of them. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. Is this guy actually asking for someone to teach him how to use pedals or is this guy want like a rental service? Cause no, he says that he says who has, uh, looking for someone who has expert skills in using pedals to make guitar tones. So literally he wants someone to come in and be like, I mean, I, this is the way I imagine this going down is you email him and be like, I'm interested in this. Let me know what kind of equipment you have. And he says, okay, well, I've got a Strat and I've got this amp and I've got, you know, these five pedals. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, so you've got an overdrive and a reverb and a delay. So like, let's go, like, I'll come over today for an hour and we'll knock out the David Gilmore tone. I'll show you how to like set your overdrive and your right. amp and whatever to do that. 
And then you're like, and then a week later, he's like, oh, yeah, I've been listening to Seven Nation Army. How do you get that sound? And you're like, oh, I'll, I'll come over and I'll bring my pog and I'll show you how yeah, to do yeah. that octave down and whatever. Like, that's kind of just the weird. I don't know. Like, I kind of get it. It's such an open-ended thing. It's hard to know it's, it's the how kind this of, would turn out. It's the kind of goofy thing where it's like, if you were doing it organically, you could do this all the time for, like, nothing. Like, when yeah, you know, someone comes up to you after a church service and is like, "Oh, hey, man, like, how'd you get that one tone?" And you spend like twenty minutes walking through, like, "Well, I use this and this, and I do this, and da, 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 da. and it's just like very organic. Like, this just feels weird. It feels really weird and really forced. It feels like an eccentric millionaire sort of thing. But then I'm, that, I feel like that would be the best case scenario. I kind of want to see if this ad is still up and hit this guy up and see. Mm, it could be. I'm, I'm betting this guy got deluged with emails from, oh, yeah? from people who have, you know, cool pedal boards and stuff like, Oh, let me come over and show you what I got. You know, the problem is if I go over there, I'm just good at making the tones that I like. <laughs> like if he wants to hear like a perfect, you know, like pink Floyd riff tone, I'm like, well, I, I guess we'll just put a big muff into a delay or something. Right. And it'll get you kind of there. I don't remember that song perfectly. So, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe he, I'd hit him up, talk to him, like, hey, maybe he just needs like a general overview of different kinds of pedals. I don't know. Put together a board and be like, hey, here's delay, here's chorus, here's reverb, here's overdrive, distortion, and fuzz, wah. You know, there's so many to go through. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't hate this as much as I did when I put the ad into the Google Drive. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> All right, do we want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's uh, say thanks to our sponsors, Keeley, makers of the Compressor Pro. Ah, I can't talk. Keeley, makers of the Compressor Plus. Yeah, check them out at robertkeeley.com or just Google Keeley pedals. It's the they've made the the number one best selling boutique com- compressor. In the history of boutique compressors, and now they've made it a heck of a lot cheaper, and they made it better, 129 bucks. Like, why would you buy any other compressor? I don't know. It's 129 bucks. Yeah. All right. Uh, this episode's also Electro because- Harmonics just came out with a compressor. It's got a stupid name. Everyone says so. We'll just talk about that later. Just get the just get the Keeley compressor. Yeah, compressor plus. Yeah. Done. Done. All right, this episode is also brought to you by Walrus Audio. Uh, we just ran a demo of the Iron Horse version 2. It's an LM308 based distortion pedal, but it's been upgraded for uh, extended range on the tone knob for easier dialing in of unity gain on the volume and an extra, extra range on the low gain setting so you can get more of an overdrive tone out of it instead of that raucous distortion. <laughs> Check like, it out, walrusaudio.com. I like the way you sold that, Steve. Thank you. Also, big thanks to Sinusoid Cables. Sinusoid showed me a really awesome time and uh, you know, a bunch of other people really awesome time in Sacramento for Cowerfest. Uh give them uh give them a big thanks for for treating us that way by going and buying a cable or something. Go buy something from Sinusoid. It's not gonna hurt, it's gonna feel good. Real good. Sinusoid cables, they make cables and smiles. Ugh. All right, this week's song is brought to us by the Antioch Band. Actually, I think they're just called Antioch, but their email says the Antioch Band, whatever. Anyway, uh, they're from Columbus, Ohio. They said, we were invited by a few students to Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. It's part of an audio recording class final project. 
We picked a song we wrote a year or so, so ago that no one had really played in the studio, tracked it live five times, and took the final take. Hope you guys like it. Uh, this song is called Don't Look Down. Uh, so, yeah, hope you guys like it. We are almost out of songs, so if you've got a song you want to submit to the show, send us something, uh, uh, MP3, preferably to uh, 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Later. Till I see you again I knew me so well Like the back of her hand And when the summer's coming And I'm out of school I'll be roaming around town Like there's nothing to do Southern Pavement Speed